Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. This is how it starts. Our reading this morning is from Ephesians, the first 14 verses of uh, the first book, uh, first chapter of Ephesians. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, the saints in Ephesus, the faith, faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he pur- purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise and glory. And also, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Most of us live according to some overarching storyline. We might not even realise it's there, but it has an influence on our path through life. Recently, I met someone who was very aware of his overarching storyline for his life that he was living by. So for him, everything was about career success. And he was quite young, so it was quite unusual to see the way that he'd mapped out everything according to this storyline. For him, he was happy to make sacrifices now uh, for this storyline, so he was quite happy to put study above social life and all sorts of things. Um, because it was worth it. And if you knew him, you could easily see the way that this overarching storyline affects every step that he takes through life. Another overarching storyline that some people have that might might not be so obvious as that has to do with kids. For some of us, our path is worked out completely around what we think is best for our kids. So spending two or three nights standing hungry, in the dark and the cold, on the side of a sports field after a long day of, of, of work, that's not something from Guantanamo Bay. For some people, for many par- parents, that's actually an inconvenience that they're quite happy to accept. And even though every weekend is spent driving between games and birthday parties and lessons and school friends, that's fine. Because any step through life that fits the overarching storyline of doing it for the kids that's a step worth taking. Some storylines, they're easy to spot. Some are a bit 
more complex and a bit harder to see, but pretty much all of us have got a storyline that we live by, which directs our, our steps through life. The part of the Bible that we're going to be looking at over the next 10 weeks is all about outlining an overarching storyline. But it's a bit different to the kind of personal ones that I was just talking about, the kind of personal ones that we might choose for ourselves, because this storyline is so much bigger than any of those. It's God's own overarching storyline that He's chosen for His world. And it's all about how God is creating a new humanity out of the old one. But even though it's it's much bigger than our own personal storylines, what we'll see in Ephesians as we work our way through it is that even still, God's storyline can become our storyline. Our own storyline can be written into God's overarching one for His world. Ephesians tells us just how it is that this can happen. And it also tells us what our lives look like when it does happen to us. What we're going to see over the next 10 weeks is that God's overarching storyline is is so beautiful and so captivating that it radically changes our paths through life for the better and it affects every single step that we take along the way, which is why we've called this series Walk This Way. The next 10 weeks, we're going to be looking at at Ephesians, which is actually a letter. So, have a look at how it begins again with me at verse 1. So, we read, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. In many ways, what we have in, in front of us right now is an ordinary letter, just like any other letter of its day was written about 60 AD and it's written with the same conventions of of letters that they all had back then, so the authors named first and then the recipients are named. But what's very different that hits us right from from the very start is that Paul claims to be an apostle, which means that he's he's claiming to be sent from God, that's that's what the word apostle means, someone who's sent. He's, He's sent by God to outline not his own daydreamings about God's overarching storyline, but by claiming to be an apostle, Paul's claiming to be giving us the overarching storyline that God himself has directly revealed to him. And the first thing we see that Paul wants to say to the people that he's writing to, he wants to say to them that if they've got Jesus, then there's no better storyline than, than they can possibly have. Look at verse 3. He writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. In Christ, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. If we have Christ, then from God's perspective, we've got everything that we need. So much of um, what drives us these days is a fear of missing out. You know, have you heard of FOMO? As, as they call it. You see it when you click interested on Facebook because you don't want to commit. And we don't want to commit because we might get invited to something better and we're afraid that we'll miss out. And so we've trained ourselves to be continually on the lookout for what, we're, what we might be missing out on. 
Paul says to us that when it comes to spiritual blessings, if we've got Jesus, we're not missing out. Other religions might have wise insights or maybe even beneficial practices, but in terms of spiritual blessings, they just don't have anything to offer us because in Jesus, we've already got all that there is. The way God sees it and the way Paul sees it, there's no better storyline out there that we're missing out on. Kathy and I had a, a Muslim friend round for dinner a, a little while ago and she was asking us questions about Christianity and, and, and sort of comparing it to Islam. And she could see that I, I already knew a, a little bit about Islam and, um, and I think I even told her the things that I love about Muslim people, the things I, I like about Muslims. And so she asked me why it was that, given I, I knew a bit about Islam and liked some parts of it, why was it that I'm not a Muslim myself? Why didn't I become a Muslim? And I tried not to recoil at the thought, but I don't think I could hide the horror. Not so much because the idea of becoming a Muslim horrifies me, that's, that's not it at all. What horrified me was the idea of what I would lose if I were to give up Jesus. I mean, can you feel that? It just hit me as I was talking to it, just how awful it would be. And I tried as, as, as gently and as best as I could to explain to her that if I gave up Jesus, I would lose everything, every spiritual blessing. There's just nothing, nothing that I could gain. Sometimes it's not people from other religions telling us that we're lacking something. Sometimes it's people who claim to be Christians who say to you, you know, it's great that you got faith in Jesus, that's good. But you need something more to really live the Christian life. You need a second blessing or some truer instalment of the Christian life. But according to Paul, according to God, that just can't be the case. Because if we have Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing. There's not some greater, deeper, secret Christian storyline out there that, that we're missing out on. That if we could just discover it, then we'd finally be truly blessed and finally feel like a real Christian. If we have Jesus, we are already truly blessed. We're already a part of, of the greatest storyline that there is. We don't need some new blessing outside of Christ. What we need is to better understand what we already have in Christ. And that's why Paul writes this letter. I mean, cast your eyes down if you've got it open there in Ephesians 1. Cast your eyes down the part of the letter that we're looking at today. And, and what you see is that it's all about the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. So verse 3, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, we're chosen in Him. Verse 5, we're adopted through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, grace is given to us in the one He loves, that's Jesus. Verse 7, we have redemption in Him. Verse 9, God's will is made known to us in Christ. Verse 10, we and all things are united under Christ. Verse 11, we're chosen in Him. Verse 13, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit in Him. The beginning of the letter, it's all about just how good it is that our storyline can be joined to God's overarching story and it's all in Christ. Paul 
goes on to talk about how this happens for us. From, and he talks about it from three very different perspectives on this overarching storyline. So first, he talks about it from the perspective of, of before the very creation of the world. And then second, he talks about it at that key central moment in history, in the history of the world. And then finally, he talks about it at that first moment that we personally find ourselves written into God's storyline. We're going to look at these three things. First, Paul tells us that the Father chose us before the creation of the world. If we're going to understand the overarching storyline and our place within it, it's surprising, but our first stop has got to be before the world even began. Look at verse 4 where, where Paul says that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ for He, that's God, chose us in Him, that's Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. I don't know about you, but my mind can barely take it in. Because not only does God's overarching storyline for the world begin before the creation of the world, our place in that storyline, our individual place in that storyline is chosen beforehand before we even existed, God chose us to be a part of what He's doing. He predestined us so that through Christ we'd be holy and blameless children. For Paul, it's very clear, isn't it, that God's choice is a a source of wonder and praise. It's a good thing. But for many of us, the fact that God chooses people before the world existed is actually a troubling thing. It sounds to us like God's unfair because it sounds like we must just be slaves to His will, which makes us wonder how God can hold anyone accountable for what they do. How can He judge anyone if they're just a slave to His will and just haven't been predestined by Him? How is that fair? Now, there's no doubt that these verses raise some really big questions and questions that I would encourage you to really think through. They're well worth it. But they're questions that would take much more time and thought than we can give here and now. So today, I'm just going to say a couple of things about them. First is this, that we run into all sorts of problems when we're thinking about these things, if we're thinking about God as if He's a human like us, a creature. See, for you or I, to be able to decide someone's destiny beforehand, we'd, we'd have to have complete control over them like a robot so that they had no control over themselves and so that they wouldn't be morally responsible. That's the only way that we'd have any chance of getting anyone to do what we wanted them to do and to control their destiny like that. But if we imagine that God is the same as us like that, then we're making a huge mistake. God's not like us. God is a being who can exercise His will without cancelling out our will. God can will something and it, and it will absolutely happen, but He can do it even through our will and even through our choices. 
In Paul's mind, God's choice of us is good news because if God hadn't chosen us, then there would be no chance at all that we could ever be, find ourselves adopted as his children. We might wonder, well then, why doesn't God choose everyone? And in one sense, that's a fair enough question, isn't it? But as we'll see in the weeks to come, the bigger question that Ephesians raises is, why does God choose anyone? Why does God choose any of us to be His sons and daughters? And the only answer that can be given and that is given here and echoes across Ephesians is it's because of His grace, His mercy. We may not know God's reasons for why He's adopted anyone, but when we know God, we can know that He has good reasons. And the fact that not all are adopted doesn't take away just how gracious He has been to us. Put aside the, the philosophical questions for a second and think about what it means to be, to be chosen by God. I was trying to think of an example in my own life to try and you know, capture the joy of it, some sort of time of being chosen that, that kind of paints the picture. And I realised there's nothing. Nothing even comes close. The best I could come up with was when I met this girl when I was 18 years old and I thought she was amazing and she was and she is. Don't worry, it's Kathy, my wife. (laughs) So prepare yourself for a soppy story here but it's okay because it's Mother's Day. When I met her, I, I quickly became convinced that every other bloke thought that she was amazing too. I remember being insanely jealous of this, this rugby jock, Leon, who was talking to her one day in his tight little rugby shorts. <laughs> but when she chose me, I mean, it's, it's hard to describe how ecstatic I was, and still am to this day. I was so happy that she chose me. You know, that, that is not even close. Being chosen by Kathy doesn't even come close to what we're seeing here. We've been chosen by God in Christ. I mean, I have no idea why Kathy chose me. We have no idea why God chose us, but it does not take away from just how good this news is. We've been chosen to be holy and blameless. Children of God. If we understand that, if we see it for what it is, then we'll see that nothing else can compare to the joy of that. I mean, think about what this all means. It means that we have a place in God's overarching story. And our place in God's overarching story is not dependent on anything that we find within us. Our place in this overarching story is dependent on His bare will, His bare decision. And this is exceptionally good news because it means that we cannot sabotage it with our will. Of course, it also means for us that our response to God choosing us could never be self-righteousness, can never be pride. It will only ever be, if we understand it rightly, praise, the same as Paul praises God. Praise for God's glorious grace. So we've seen that Paul tells us that our storyline can be written into God's overarching storyline because He chose us from before the beginning of the world. Now, at this point, Paul changes his focus. 
from before the beginning to now to the key moment, the central moment within the history of the world where we see the Son redeemed us in history, bringing unity to all things. Look at verse 7. Paul writes, in Him, again, that's in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. God's decision before the creation of the world to to adopt us was a costly decision. It would require God in Jesus to enter the world, enter into His creation, to buy back those He'd chosen, to buy back us who'd sold ourselves into slavery by doing God great wrong, to give us every spiritual blessing comes at Christ's expense, only at Christ's expense. Our story can only be written into God's overarching story by Jesus going to the cross on our behalf. But Paul goes on and he goes on to say that not only are we written into God's overarching story in Jesus, by Jesus, but more than that, the whole overarching story itself is really all about Jesus. So look at verse 8. With all wisdom and understanding, He, God, made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfilment. This is saying that God has revealed His hand at the key moment in history for anyone to see. And this is the mystery of God's will that He's revealed. This is it. To bring unity or to sum up all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I remember cleaning up after church one day and and finding someone's Bible and and opening up to try and find their name written in the front and instead of their name, it just said, it's all about Jesus. That's what this is saying. The overarching story that, that God has been working towards, that God has now revealed is to bring all things under the headship of Jesus. It's all about Him. People once thought that the earth was at the centre and the sun went round the earth and and the stars went round the earth. We can be like that with God. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ, but it's not all about us. It's all about Jesus. Our place in this overarching story is not at the centre. We have every spiritual blessing only as we come into orbit around Jesus. Only as we realise that God's overarching story is all about Him and His rule. In verse 12, Paul says that God's purpose in, in bringing us into this plan is so that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. Now again, that might give us a bit of a problem as we read that, because we might think, well, isn't God seeking His own glory egotistical? And it would be if if you or I were seeking our own glory, if I think everything's about me, if I I think I'm at the centre of the universe, it would be a very ugly thing. And actually, from time to time, we all do live like this, and it is an ugly thing to see. 
But again, we need to remember that God's not like us. He's not a human, a creature like us. When God seeks His glory, it's actually what's best for our world and for us. Because there's nothing more glorious in all of creation than God. He is at the centre. And He alone should be at the centre. And when He allows us to see that, to see His plan has always been for Christ to be glorified at at the centre of all things, it's incredibly good for us. Because the reality is that we can never be truly complete, truly happy, until we see that our own storyline needs to come under God's overarching storyline. St. Augustine touched on this in the 4th century. He was a, a Christian who wrote in the form of a prayer to God. He said, You've made us for Yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in You. C.S. Lewis also touched on this more, more recently, and, and it's, as he beautifully said, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from Himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. What we have in Christ is not only a a place in the overarching storyline, we also have the the very one who this world's storyline is all about. And so our own stories become all about Him and it's the best thing for us. So we've seen that we're chosen for this before the beginning of the world. We've seen that Jesus makes it possible for us to to join this in his, His death on the cross in history. Paul now adjusts his focus one more time to how individuals, how individuals can take their place in this overarching story. And he says, the Holy Spirit sealed our place in God's future plan when we believed. Look at verse 13. He writes, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Just stop there for a second. Think about what this means. God chooses us before the beginning of the world. But he says, Paul says here that that prehistoric decision is worked out in our story as we hear the gospel. That's the way God exercises His choice. As we hear about the message about Jesus and as we choose Him, it's actually because God has chosen us. The idea that because God chooses people, we don't really need to bother persuasively sharing the gospel is never how the Bible understands things. It's actually the opposite. It's because God chooses people that we should bother to persuasively share the gospel. If God didn't choose people, no one would believe and no one would be saved. It's like we walk through an archway, uh, and that, that, an archway of salvation, if you like, and, and, and above the archway it says, I choose God. But then after we've walked through it, for some reason we look back and we, says, we read on the other side of it, it says... I chose you. That's what's going on here. God chooses us, but He does it as we hear the gospel and believe it in our own story. The point at which God joins us into this overarching story is that moment when we first believe in Jesus. 
Look at what happens in that moment in verse 13. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession. And this too is to the praise of His glory. God gives Himself to us in the Holy Spirit now, not as some separate spiritual blessing. He gives us the Holy Spirit when we first believe. To be a Christian is, is to live the Spirit-filled life. It's to be born again. It's what we saw last week. And so if we believe the Gospel, then we can know for certain that in this life we've been chosen. We can know for certain that we have God's Spirit. And we can know for certain that He's not going to abandon us. Our future, our fate is sealed already. Our place in God's overarching storyline is guaranteed. Well, over the next 10 weeks, across the letter to the Ephesians, we're going to see all of these things that that we've touched on today played out. In fact, the first half of the letter of, of, of Ephesians is all about what God has done for us in Christ. And it's not even until we get to the second half of the letter that we we really get any of the step-by-step details of what it means for how we live now. See, it's not till we see who Jesus is and that it's all about Him. And it's not till we see that we're freely, graciously given every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's not till that's really driven home to us that we're ready and able to see how we should walk in response walking God's way. So as we finish today, I think it's worth right here at the beginning of Ephesians just to stop and ask ourselves, have we seen this yet? Have we seen this overarching storyline that it's, it's all about Jesus? Has your storyline been written into this overarching storyline as you've heard that message about Jesus and believed? See, I think generally these days we're pretty wary of overarching storylines in general, aren't we? I mean, we don't like people to tell us how to live our lives and and we value the freedom to make up our own individual storylines for ourselves. So I don't think we'll ever hear these days, you know, in the next kind of election cycle, you probably won't hear a politician saying, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country that's just not going to have much traction for us. We're just too sceptical to trust big picture storylines that politicians or others are going to try to sell us. And as we hear about God's overarching storyline in Ephesians, our reaction could be to fight against it. Let me tell you why in this case, with this storyline, that's not the best thing to do. First, just because we don't like the idea of God having an overarching storyline, it doesn't mean He doesn't have one. The claim is that Jesus is the head of the universe. That's a claim that's either true or it's not true. And if it's true, it's going to be pretty important for us to bring our lives under His rule in line with that truth. It's like another thing that C.S. Lewis wrote, which I was just reminded of recently when I went and saw the Case for Christ movie, which some of you have also seen. C.S. Lewis wrote, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, 
of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Another reason why ignoring God's storyline is not the best thing to do is because it it might feel like we're making up our own storyline in this life, that we have the freedom to do that. But as we're going to see later in Ephesians, we're actually just conforming to a different storyline, more than we realise. A storyline that Paul says is hidden, but enslaves us and will ultimately destroy us. And finally, and most importantly, we shouldn't throw out the storyline that God wants to write us into, because it's far more beautiful and captivating and liberating and meaningful than any storyline that that we can create for ourselves, as so many of us here will, will gladly bear witness to. Like Paul, our lives are are just full of praise for what God has done for us in Jesus. Let's praise Him now. Father, we do praise You for the way that You have called us into a bigger story. Not a controlling, condemning, crushing kind of story, but a liberating, joyful, eternal, life-giving story in Jesus. Lord, help us to see it for the, the beauty that it has, Your beauty, your kindness, your love, your grace overflowing. Lord, we don't understand all the details and we just can't being your creatures. We can't understand exactly why you've done things or exactly how you do them. But Lord, we can know just how wonderful your choice of us is. And we pray that you would impress that on our hearts and in our lives at every step along our journey in, this, in these days. Lord, um, for those who are struggling to see their place in your plan, speak to them, Lord. We ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, give them that knowledge they need to see just how great your plan is and to believe and to be sown into this story. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.